Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. from the Auction Community Studios on this Friday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. Wolf, what's up? How you doing, Luke? Doing great. Yeah, you know what? It's Friday, right? Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. A football Friday heading into the last regular season game of the season, of course. And we all know there are playoff implications across the NFL. It, uh, it kind of feels like... I mean, let's not pretend that this hasn't been a miserable season for the Cardinals. And, and it feels like you turn the corner, whatever happens on Monday, starting on Monday. Like, this is one of the few years I'm ready for the offseason. And uh, and it's it's coming up here in just a couple of days. And then, like you said, some of these other games have major playoff implications. we got a game tomorrow that is a playoff game, basically, between Tennessee and Jacksonville. Yeah. No, I love that, man. Honestly, five-star games. <laughs> Loaded, are Joshua they not? Dobbs against the Jaguars. If you that's not a five-star game, five-star games, man, all over the board. I can't wait to get to that beautiful part of the program. Well, Monday is obviously the day when coaches usually let go if they get let go. Not always, but uh, I would assume. Uh, let's just start here with the Cardinals. If there's going to be changes at at head coach, which would obviously in a lot of cases trickle down to assistant coaches. Don't you think we're going to know by, like, Tuesday at the latest? Why Why would you debate back and forth? Like, if, if, if Cliff Kingsbury is still your coach a week from now, I'm assuming he's your coach for next year. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Okay. I think it's going to happen sooner if it does happen as opposed to later. Yeah, there's does just that no, make sense? Yeah, there's, there's no point in dragging it out. Now, Vance Joseph... And that's the way that it is, typically, usually, yeah. across the National Football League. Yeah. Uh, Vance Joseph yesterday was asked if the coaching staff has been reassured that they're coming back next year. I have not, um, but I'm not worried about that. Obviously, um, that's part of the business. You know, we're coaching to win a game on Sunday, and um, if it works out, we'll come back with a plan in the off season to kind of fix everything because it's fixable. But we have not been uh, reassured of that, and that's okay. Vance is just so matter-of-fact and calm at all times. If they move on from from all these coaches, I hope something good happens for him. I think Vance Joseph has done a pretty good job with what he's had to work with this year. No, I would agree with that. Um, I do believe anyone uh, that has listened to me, you know, uh, I'm a fan of Vance Joseph. I do believe at some point in time he's going to get another head coaching job somewhere. He's going to get that opportunity. I think he's worthy of that. I think he deserves to. I think he's done a great job with the young guys that they have developed on the defensive side of the ball this year. So we'll see what happens and where he may go if in fact that does happen um it's just amazing as i listen to vance joseph there the first thought that i had is coaches are the ultimate mercenaries <laughs> in this mercenary league the national football league in the football universe coaches are the ultimate mercenaries man 
unless they find a stable coaching environment that they love, a head guy as well, where they're not maybe moving up. Maybe you've got a running back coach. That's all he wants to be. Mm-hmm. He wants to be a running back coach. And oh, by the way, you get paid a really good, handsome yeah. salary you, for being the running back. You do pretty coach. well for yourself there. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe you've got some coaches that don't have aspirations of actually being a head coach one day, whatever it may be. They're the ultimate mercenaries because in the National Football League, even in the college ranks, you're there two, three years, maybe four, if it goes okay. And boy, if you get more than four, you're doing okay. It's it's funny you say that because I was thinking about this uh, after the show yesterday with with this, you know, this might be it for Cliff Kingsbury on Sunday, right? And and you look at it and it's like, man, you know, and I know, I know people have, I know some people feel strongly on both sides. I'll just put it that way. But he did get four years. It does sort of yeah. feel like they just, I got four years in the NFL. Like if, if they really do let yeah. him go, he did get four years. Um, but I want to pivot back to Vance for a second because I, I think it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Oh yeah, everybody, they got to fire Cliff. That'll solve everything. That probably means Vance is gone too. And, and I, if that happens and I don't, I don't love that aspect of it because. I like the continuity for the Zayvon Collins, Cameron Thomas, those guys of the world that get to keep developing under Vance Joseph. Now, that's just the reality. Like you said, coaches are mercenaries. Players have had to adapt to that in the past. Um, but like we saw firsthand, Hassan Reddick, they kept switching coaches on him, and he just couldn't get going, and now he's in Philadelphia, and he's great. Yes. Yeah, you know, once again, too, um, Vance Joseph, I think, has done a fantastic job. And there were a lot of people two years ago wanted to fire Vance. Remember that? That wanted was ridiculous. Fire I, I that, know. That, 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 but, I didn't see any merit to that. that. Yeah, You yeah. know, and it was all because of the tight end. All because of yeah. that right there. That Vance Joseph didn't know what he was doing. This is the reason why... You, it's so important, Basin Onions. You go out and you hire. You hire qualified people. You hire good people. You hire people that you know are smart. You hire people that are humble. You hire people that you can live with, that are really good at what they do. And once you hire those guys, man, you've got to, you've got to ride with that. You got to stick with that. The Pittsburgh Steelers are legendary at doing this. Mm-hmm. This is what they have done, man, the Rooney family, more than anybody else right now. You want to do a study? You want to do a 30 for 30? Go ahead and do a 30 for 30 on the Rooney family and their hiring practices. Because the coaches they hire are Hall of Famers. Um, What is it, three head coaches in the Super Bowl era? Yes. (laughs) Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher. And Mike Tomlin. That's, that's Think absurd. About that. Now, you also, th- there's more than just being patient in there. You got to hire the right guy, and they have apparently done it three times because all those guys have won Super Bowls. I think they've all won multiple Super Bowls, haven't they? Yeah, well, let's see. I love uh, Cowher yeah, won multiple. with four. Yeah. Tomlin's um, won yeah, two. Um, yeah, I think I think it's one. Is it one? And Cower has okay, whatever. Cowher they, has they've one. all got Super Bowl rings, yeah, so whatever. You know, good you, for them. Can, can we, do I look like a trip? Do I look like Vinny? This do I, look well, like I, I Vinny thought I saw Vince right walk now. by behind you, and that's why I was asking. <laughs> you were just answering. For Vince some walking around, and he just triggered that with you. <laughs> um, no, look. I mean, that's 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 the way to do it if you can hire the right guy, and then if you do that, there are. I know it doesn't seem like there have been downtimes with Mike Tomlin because they've never had a losing season, but there have been times in Pittsburgh where I'm sure they're like, okay, is this going right? But they stuck with it, and it worked out. I'm not saying the Cardinals have to do that. I'm just saying the the rush to fire the head coach probably means Vance Joseph is gone, too, if you do that. And the other thing that I took from the little cut you played right there, Luke, was it's fixable. 
that that is that is interesting right there. You know, I, I'm sure somebody followed up and said, "Hey, Vance, when you said it's fixable, what what, what would you fix? Like, what needs to be fixed?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fixable. That was it. You know, I love that. But he can, can only we talk fix about the defense. That? Well, exactly. Uh, here's more from Vance Joseph. If he signed a contract extension last year, did you sign a contract extension last year? I did. And they asked uh, follow up there. A couple more. Absolutely, I did. Yes. But that ultimately doesn't really mean a ton, as we have already seen around the league, and, and as you will see on Monday if the Cardinals let Cliff Kingsbury go. We all know he signed a five-year contract extension that hasn't even kicked in yet, actually. So. That's, I mean, it's a thing, but if you are an owner and you want to make changes, you've got the money to do it. Yeah, you know, it's a dicey situation once again. Yes, you've got the money to do it, of course, if in fact you come to the belief and the resolve that you need to actually make changes right now. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a dicey situation come Monday. Um, I thought it was interesting listening to Vance Joseph as well because, you know, he, he basically laid it out that there definitely is a question. They don't know what is going to happen. He actually said this. Our focus is about Sunday and winning the game and playing good again and being competitive against a very good team. Monday morning, we'll obviously know what's going on. But it's been honest all year. I I thought that was really interesting, what he said right there, because he's letting you know they don't know. Well, and and yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point on the most, you know, basic level. If if they had asked him that question, hey, have you been reassured you're back next year? And he was like, yeah, we have. They just just talked to Michael yesterday. He said, we're all coming back. That would be a big deal. <laughs> that would, cause I, I doubt that they would tell him that and then quickly turn it around and be like, well, I'm sorry. You lost to the 49ers. That changes everything. So the fact that they haven't been told that doesn't mean they're all getting fired, but there was a chance in there apparently to just say, no, everything's good. And that has not been said. All right. We come back over to basketball. Is DeAndre Ayton hurting his trade value this season? Uh, at least a couple national media members believe so. We'll explain that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'll tell you, Wolf, if you need a reminder of how much things can change in sports. I need a reminder. Well, good. You've come to the right place. Here we are, January 6th, talking about a Cardinals game where David Blau is starting. And Herm Edwards is on TV, not coaching ASU, <laughs> talking about the NFL playoffs. Yeah, that is that's great. That's a frying pan to the face right there. Yeah, it is yeah. right there. That's multiple frying pans to the face. Indeed, the whole football season has just been a frying pan to the face. Thank you. Uh, let's go talk about basketball then. Although this may be a bit of a I don't know what's smaller than a frying pan. Um, let me think. What is like a cookie hammer? sheet to the face? About no. a hammer is that okay? <laughs> I wanted something. Or, oh, not uh, as bad a, as a frying pan to the um, face. Okay, I would say yeah, like a, a, cookie, a cookie sheet. Yeah, a cookie yeah. sheet to the face. How okay. About that? Uh, this is the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday talking um, about DeAndre Ayton, and, and the reason we're playing this is a January fifteenth is a week from Sunday. If you still are of the belief that the Suns are going to try and move DeAndre Ayton. Uh, B, this is a national perspective. It's Bill Simmons and Rob Mahoney talking on the Simmons podcast. And that podcast is is predominantly basketball, right? It's on the ringer. Obviously, Bill Simmons started the ringer. This is Simmons' impression of DeAndre Ayton right now. 
I was a big Aiton defender. This season's been concerning. It reminds me of the centers I grew up with in the 80s, like the Joe Barry Carroll type guys, where it's like they're getting their stats. It's fine if you're not actually watching. If you're watching it, like there's something slightly missing. And it doesn't seem, within the team, it doesn't seem awesome either. It's kind of hard to argue with any of that right now. <laughs> I'm looking for a way to be like, ah, oh, Bill, you don't know. You're not watching the Suns every night like we are. Okay. You might be on to something. Yeah, my my first reaction was, uh, shh. <laughs> hey, Bill, can I talk to you? Be quiet. To make a move what are you here. doing? What is Have you lost your <laughs> You're not, you're not helping. Listen, I anybody that has listened to us, you know, I am a huge DeAndre Ayton fan. I, I love his personality. I love who he is. I just don't like the way he competes. I'm sorry. It it's it's that in a nutshell. I, I have been waiting for him to become aggressive. I have, I've been waiting for him to be that physical presence down low. Are you actually, you're actually going to walk up to me and confront me? You shall not pass. You know, I mean, just the, the juice tap into the rage tree. I've been waiting for it for the longest time from DA and it's not going to happen. And I think, honestly, once again, this is why the offseason that we just had with the Phoenix Suns and all the drama coming into this season with DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, I honestly think it was a last-ditch effort to get his attention and say, this is what you've got to do and this is who you've got to become. And... um. We're going we're gonna to give you till January 15th to figure it out because I'm sure at some point in time, even though DeAndre Ayton has got to approve the trade, mm-hmm. I think he might be willing to do that so, after January 15th. Uh, I, 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 think, I think that he would if it came to that. To me, why this is a story right now is not... <sighs> It's not even like, oh, DA is not what we want him to be. For me, it's more just like something needs to change with this team. That's pretty clear. And I don't think it's all DA's fault that they have lost 13 of their last 18 by any means. Um, but what are the things you can change? If you really want to change this, if you want to keep your championship window open, what you have to, you have to look at all these different directions. How many times have we heard in the last couple of weeks? Everybody on the Suns, nobody's untouchable except Evan Booker. Like, are we kind of at that point where nobody's untouchable? If nobody's untouchable, then DeAndre Ayton is obviously in that group. Now, where this gets dicey is is there have been games this season, just the way it's played out, where Booker's missing games and Cam Johnson's missed a ton of games and all these guys except Mikel Bridges are missing games. And so there have been chances for DeAndre Ayton to be the guy that just takes over. And it's like, you know what? He is the number one overall pick. You don't have Devin Booker. You don't have Cam Johnson. Well, you know, maybe he didn't win the game, but D.A. had 32 and 20, and he just took over in the fourth yeah. quarter. He had a game like that. Right. He doesn't have to do it consistently, but look at some of the games guys are having around the league this year where Giannis is just putting up 55 and 20 like every night, it feels like. I know he's not Giannis. And winning games. Y- yes. And, and and to me, the win-loss, I can't pin that on D.A. this season because they are missing so many guys and something just looks off. But it does feel like the opportunities have been there for him to just have a few monster games and show like, hey, I can't take over single-handedly, but look at the progress I'm making. And he's had a couple, but by and large, I think even the biggest D.A. supporter would say he's about what he was last year. You know, yeah. really good some nights, just kind of eh, some nights. Yeah, well, the the worst part about it is, I think, until recently here, his rebounding has gotten worse. 
And that honestly, that that bothers me. The first chunk to of the season. No win. Yeah, that that was where I had I had come to terms with Da as this guy. Don't look at him through the lens if they took him over other great players, or even that he was number one overall pick, or that you're giving him a max deal. Just look at him as does he help your team, and he does. But then you come into the season, he couldn't rebound for the first month. Yeah, that kind of hurt. And not only that, too, it's not about the numbers. Go ahead and just watch him. You guys know the way that I feel in regard to scouting football players. Watch him from the snap to the whistle, every play. Watch him. Don't look at the ball. Don't follow the ball. Just watch a player. Snap to whistle every play. You'll find out an awful lot about that human being and who that man is playing football in between those white lines just by doing that. Do the same thing with D.A. Watch him. Forget about the basketball. Forget about who's got it. Forget about who's shooting it. Watch him compete in between those lines. Watch him compete. And then you tell me if he's bringing that aggressiveness and that physicality. Watch him. It'll blow your mind when you do that. And that's the reason why, once again, um, this is a Mad King situation. And I've been in locker rooms where one of the most talented guys on the team, Dexter Manley, one of the most talented guys on the team, for whatever reason, could not bring it consistently. Dex had problems off the field, issues off the field, and that impacted him by the time he showed up with the Cardinals up in Flagstaff. Okay, that did. But he was so wildly talented, it was not even funny. And everybody knew it. But the problem was everyone also knew he had a lot of issues. Now listen, D.A. doesn't have any kind of issues like Dexter Manley had. Yet at the same time, it doesn't disqualify him from that group of players known as a Mad King. To me, one of the most talented players, yet you cannot bring it night in, night out on a consistent basis. You have no idea what that'll do inside a locker room if you're his teammate. Well, I think we might you love the guy, that. you just don't respect him ultimately. That's bad. Well, up until this year, it wasn't it was a, just a lot of talk of like, well, you know, look what this could do to the locker room. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to feel like anything's wrong with the locker room when you win 64 games or when you're going to the NBA Finals and DA's a huge part of that playoff run. But now it's like, okay, they still don't look right. And how much of it is injuries and how much of it is, again, not just DA. There's a bunch of factors here, but what can you change? And January 15th does loom in a week, basically. But this is Rob Mahoney saying you might not even be able to trade DA at this point. This has been a really dispiriting season of watching. Watching DeAndre Aiden play basketball, to be totally honest with you. And that's mm. the, the problem with that is exactly what you outlined. Like everyone in the league knows it. These teams are playing against him. They're seeing him kind of float through some games, like not really assert himself, like have opportunities where he could be dominant, but just doesn't. Everyone in the league is clocking the same things with, about DeAndre Aiden that we are. And those teams are not going to give you tons of stuff in a trade for him. That's that's just really not going to happen. And yet Bridges is the guy you would probably want to hold on to. So I, I don't know how you navigate that. The reason we're playing this is for that right there. This is a national perspective on this. This is not to local people. This is not a bunch of Suns fans. This is not people that are, you know, have any emotional investment. This is two people nationally that you think maybe aren't watching the Suns all that much. Now they're watching and they're what he just said right there is whatever you feel about DA don't like think that other teams around the league, except apparently the Pacers, don't know it about DA. Who is the guy that said that? Right That's there? Rob Mahoney. That's from the Rob Ringer. Mahoney yeah. right there. Rob Mahoney. It sounds like he watches DA play basketball and nobody else. <laughs> it sounds like he doesn't follow the ball. Just watch just watches him. DA. 
and go, oh my goodness, why, why did you break to the basket? You had a free, why not? The ball went up in the air. Go get it. Go get an offensive. You'll, you'll say that and you'll say it out loud to yourself. What is going on? And guys, once again, man and gals, of course, you don't know the impact it has. When you have a guy inside the locker room who's the most talented dude, and everyone knows he's the most talented dude, got all the ability in the world, and he can't bring it on a consistent level. In other words, you're not going to try. It's it's an effort issue. It's an effort problem. You're not going to try. You're not going to lock in. You're not going to be physical. You're not going to be intense. You're not going to go out there and be a great. You're not going to do it. And everyone knows that if you did, oh my goodness, it might be one of the scariest situations you're ever going to see on a basketball court, and yet you won't do it. So that impacts your teammates around you. Ultimately, it does. See, this gets into a whole other conversation. It's the definition of a cancer, quote-unquote, inside the locker room. Well, And we'll have this conversation later because there's more audio from that conversation from those two, but it gets into the next question of even... (laughs) It's like we're talking to a different part of the Suns fan base with each sentence basically if you are the hardcore da can't do anything wrong supporter you got to admit that he's he's leveled off this year if nothing else but if you are the get this guy out of here we never should have drafted him do you really want to trade him for pennies on the dollar if that's if that's no. what you're going to get like i'd rather just keep him at that point and for lack of a better term be quote stuck with them because it's just money yeah because he's not a bad player i don't he's impacting his teammates well and that's that's the thing that you can't necessarily uh measure um, at least not from outside the locker room texas your thoughts to the fanduel text line at 620 620 right now we come back what should we expect from jj watt in his final nfl game it's coming up in two days wolf and luke on arizona sports the local sports leader Final game of the season is on Sunday for the Cardinals. Um, I think pretty clearly the main storyline that we're going to be watching, at least for me, Wolf, and maybe you have something else with that Blau offense that you like. But uh, for me, it's J.J. Watt. I mean, that, 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 is, that is something that's bigger than just the Arizona Cardinals. You're talking about a first ballot Hall of Famer playing his final NFL game, going out on top individually, you know, he's not having the best season of his career, but he's having a really good season. The only reason it's not the best season of his career is because he had some human <laughs> seasons earlier in his career. Exactly. Uh, so for him, I, I, I'm I'm really fascinated by how the defense is going to play in this game because the defense at this point with the injuries they've had, it's J.J. Watt and a lot of young guys that look up to J.J. Watt. That's kind of the defense right now. And you're playing San Francisco, and San Francisco might win the Super Bowl, and they need the game, so I understand this game could get very ugly. But I do wonder how the defense performs for the Cardinals in this one. No, that is a great place to start. And, of course, it is with J.J. Watt right now. You're talking about a future Hall of Famer, a three-time defensive player of the year in the National Football League. J.J. Watt is a living, walking, talking legend for the most part. 12 years right now, um, finishing his storied career, and this is it. This is his last game, of course, and every guy around him knows it. Every guy competing against him knows it. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how that defense rallies around J.J. Watt in his last game because you know J.J. right now. J.J.'s going to use that. <laughs> he knows the way guys love and respect him. He's mm-hmm. going to use that to encourage his teammates around him. This is it. I got one more show, baby. I got one more game to go out 
and compete with this great game and give it all that I've got. Will you join me? <laughs> Just think about it. I mean, if J.J. Watt walked up to you, Luke, and said, Luke, you know what? This is it for me. This is it. Um, I love this game. I've given it everything that I possibly have got in my being. I need you today. Will it join? Will you join me? Will you go out and play with me today? No, well, they are pretty thin at corners, <laughs> you know. so maybe I don't know. <laughs> How desperate are they? I'm just saying. No, you're you, right. You know the impact that would have, uh, especially because I mean, look at this defense when Zach Allen not playing, but like Isaiah Simmons, MyJ Sanders, all these, all the rookies, MyJ Sanders, Cameron Thomas, all them. You know, when we talked to him in rookie camp, when you and I were out there, and, and they they came in for interviews, all of them invariably were like, "Man, I just really want to meet JJ Watt," or "I, I just met JJ Watt. This is huge," you know, or "I can't, I can't wait to play." on a defense with J.J. Watt, and they've had that motivation all season, but now it's it's heightened knowing that this is it. I mean, when that game ends, regardless of what the score is, Cardinals somehow pull off a stunner over San Francisco or they lose 38-10 to 10 again like they did last time they played the 49ers. Yo. Whatever it is, when the game ends... All anybody's going to be thinking about is this is J.J. Watt's last game. Other than if you're a 49ers fan and you may have just locked up the number one seed in the NFC, obviously yes. that's a big deal too. But but outside of San Francisco, all anybody's going to think about is J.J. Watt's done and he's leaving on his own terms. Yeah, and that's, that is a rare, rare situation right there for J.J. Watt. It adds to the legend. If, in fact, he does retire and stays away, it just adds to the legendary nature of J.J. Watt when you think about it. I think it. he stays away. I, you know, I, I, I think, think you're. I think, I think you're probably does. right. Uh, for me, once again, I questioned it. It was like, you know, hey, do you know how hard that is to walk away from a sport you love and walk away and stay away when you know you could still play? It's a difficult proposition right there. But having said that, I think you're right about that. I think he's the type of person, he's resolute enough to be able to say, that's it. And it's going to be really interesting to watch, man, because I do think he's going to impact a lot of his teammates around him. And I think San Francisco, I'd be surprised if San Francisco did not get a battle from that defense in terms of going out and playing as hard and as to the wall as they possibly can. It's got to be so weird to be J.J. Watt on Sunday, too, because that game could be, like I said, it could be a blowout. San Francisco could run away with it. It could be the longest game in the world if you're a Cardinals fan watching it being like, man, this is not going well. That game's going to fly by for J.J. Watt, right? Because you know he's going to be he's going to be trying to soak in every second of it, almost Almost like you're a rookie playing in your first game, knowing that, again, you're going out on top. But how many guys in this league don't know it's their last game? They just don't get a contract the next year, or they get hurt and they can't come back or whatever. He knows this is it, and he knows he's a Hall of Famer. You, you just don't see that very often. And so I can only imagine how quickly that game's going to go by for him. This is Vance Joseph uh, yesterday talking about what It's been emotional for all of us. You know, uh, Jay's had an emotional week. It's his last week of practice as a football player. But um, for me, it's been fun to watch both sides. You know, he's just an example of a guy who's worked his butt off his whole life to be a good player. And he, he wasn't always a good player. You know, it's, a, it, it's an example of giving players time to grow into what they can become. You know, even as a rookie in Houston, he was a guy that we were worried about early on. And he wasn't a full-time starter, but he became J.J. Watt about week 17 in the playoffs. So it's just an example of guys who who's given time to kind of grow at their own pace. And obviously, you know, being J.J., his mindset of working hard and doing things right, that helps also. But he's a hardworking guy that's earned his way. 
it wasn't given to him from from day one. And to watch him be a first ballot Hall of Famer has been fun for me. That's really cool right there, man. It just geeks me out. Because Vance Joseph was there when they drafted him in Houston. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I think also, too, we have to keep in mind what J.J. Watt said on Hard Knocks this past episode, right? Episode 8, I believe that it was. He said that, you know, he wanted people to remember him for going out playing good ball. And I'm paraphrasing it. Playing good ball and not getting knocked on his butt. That That's what he said. And you know what? This is it, ladies and gentlemen. It comes down to this one game. That's all he's got. He knows it. This is his career right here. So what are you going to do? If, in fact, he's speaking metaphorically, of course, for this season and how he wants to finish this season. He wants to finish strong. He wanted to come into this season and... Have people remember him for playing good ball and not getting knocked on his butt. That's what he said. So now this is it. He has played great ball. This is the most important game for J.J. Watt because he knows it's his last. Well, it's the end of the movie. Think about that. And what was the quote he had when he said this? He's like, I I feel like I put some good tape out there that my son can watch someday. Like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I would imagine most people watching you, watching film of J.J. Watt, you you can't, not that he's never had a bad play, but he's never really had a bad year. His bad years are he wasn't on the field. That was the only knock on him. Sure. So he gets to wrap up a career other than, you know, as he pointed out, maybe the first eight games of his rookie year where... There is no, there's not, nobody's going to look and be like, oh yeah, but remember those like last two years he played with the Colts or something and he was a shell of himself? No, I mean, if he really, if this is really it, then he's going out uh, in a way a lot of guys don't. I don't know if this is true. Did you hear him just kind of slide this in on Hard Knocks that this is the last stadium he hasn't played in in San Francisco no. around the league? No. He said, he, he, he said, yeah, he said the last two that he was missing were last week and this week. Yeah. No way. And I, I've I've tried to double Stop check that. It. I don't know how to find that other than calling what? JJ Watt like how did Jesse Lucas. I not know that. I'm I, sure somebody told me. And I'm sure it was in the media guide notes. I, I don't know. It was in. It, it's just he said it in Hard Knocks. He said the Atlanta and San Francisco were the last two stadiums he hadn't played in. Okay, that's weird. If that's that, true. Oh come on, man. That that seems impossible. JJ, what possible. are you doing? Are you kidding me right now? This is it. I'm excited for him. Um, I know that he's he's got plans for what he might do, um, what he's done playing football. Of course he does. Um, yet at the same time, he's got to be looking at this as a new a new day. Here's uh, Vance in Joseph. His life. Vance Joseph was asked what, what we were kind of talking about. Do you think JJ would ever come back after this? Mm, I don't think so. You know, he's 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 pretty calculated as far as his life and. Having a newborn son and those things, so he has a plan. I mean, he, he has a plan all the time, right? You know, we won't know it until he said to tell us, but he has a plan for life. And I think it's it's been a while where he's been thinking about this. The thing that's remarkable, and I think this was when you uh, were out on your winter break or whatever you called it. But what winter break? What what said he actually told a couple people a few weeks ago. One of them being Vance Joseph, and it never leaked out, which is crazy. If if he really told Vance Joseph like three or four weeks before he told everybody else, and Vance Joseph just was able to hold on to that in yeah, this day and age. Right, well I mean, played, Vance. Not, not like Vance is on TikTok every night, like just breaking news, but I'm just saying, like, Vance is not, 
yeah, how many times is there a, a microphone in front of Vance, or how do you not let that slip up to Zayvon Collins or somebody, right? And then it just gets out, but he, he held on to it. Man, I'm really excited to watch a J.J. play in his last game, man. What might we see to add to the legend? Telling you, you need to see three sacks. That's what you need. Three sacks. Set the record. I don't think you're seeing three sacks, but I think you're seeing at least one, aren't you? He's at least sacking Brock Purdy at least one. Give me two. Uh, All right. Christmas through New Year's Day is the lowest week of the year for blood donations. January is the highest blood usage month of the year for patients. So please consider making a blood donation on Sunday, January 8th at Vitalant's Saving Arizona Blood Drive. Schedule your appointment now at Vitalant.com. Dot org slash save az. When we come back, which games are we going to have our eyes on around the National Football League this weekend? We'll take you through our five-star games next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Five-star 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 The NFL's best games as predicted by Ron Wolfley and Luke Lipinski. Powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, five-star games for Week 18, Wolf. And I, I, just to be clear, from this point forward after this, they're all five-star games, aren't they? Isn't every playoff game a five-star game? There's no doubt about it, man. Even if it's Baltimore-Jacksonville? Everyone. And maybe we just want to go ahead and raise the bar a little bit on the criteria once we get into the playoffs okay. as to what is truly a five-star playoff game. Um, what do you... When you look at the schedule, how many five-star games do you see around the league? Or do you have one that jumps out to you? Because, I mean, there's there's two for sure. Wow. No, I've got six. Well, I'm just I'm saying, starting with two, there's at least two. <laughs> you have six five-star games? Five-star games. Wow. Okay. Yes. I I, I, have you had six me? all season? There are playoff. Oh, my goodness. There are playoff implications in all six of these games that really fascinate me. You go like a month at a time without giving out one five-star game, and you have six this weekend. Okay, give me your first five-star game. Well, Tennessee-Jacksonville is a playoff game tomorrow (laughs) night. So there it is. It is a playoff game. Winners in, losers out. So that. Okay, so I have that as well. It starts, the blood sport really begins on Saturday night, of course. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Yes. A five star game because the winner, of course, is into the postseason. Very nice. Um, Sounds like Derrick Henry is going to play in that game. Jacksonville has become the more entertaining team. Tennessee, man, how many games in a row has Tennessee lost? Like, talk about letting this slip away, and yet they still have a chance yes. to make the just win this game. And all of a sudden, everything else that happened in, over the last six weeks, they've lost six in a row. It all goes out the window. They were seven and three. Now they're seven and nine. But if they win tomorrow, they're in. All right, what else do you have? Okay, um, I've got one other one. Okay, give it to me. You give me yours. Well, Detroit Green Bay. <laughs> should be a playoff game on Sunday night. It gets a little weird uh, depending what Seattle does, but it still is going to have playoff implications, and it is the last game of the regular season, and there's a history between those two teams, so yeah, absolutely that's a five-star game. Okay, for me, um, I've got to go New England at Buffalo as well. Playoff implications for the New England Patriots, and then just Buffalo. Can you imagine what that is going to be like? Especially with the news on DeMar Hamlin right now and how he's doing well. He's doing better, right? He's improving dramatically right now. FaceTimes his teammates. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Can you imagine? Here you are at Buffalo. 
in the park, ladies and gentlemen, Orchard Park, New York. And here come the Patriots with a playoff implication on the line for the Patriots. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, they still have a chance. That, to me, is a five-star game. Yeah, that's fair. Patriots absolutely still have a chance to make the playoffs, so I would give you that one. I mean, there's other games with playoff implications, but they're only for one team. Well, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Yeah, okay. I mean, they're both in, but yeah, that's a good game. Yeah, but you know, they're in, but here comes the seeding and all the beauty that goes with that. And oh, by the way, do they play in the same division? They do. Cincinnati has not lost since Halloween. Remember that Halloween night yeah. game? Yeah, they haven't oh. lost since then. So what do you say we go ahead and we play, oh, I don't know, maybe the most physical team in the National Football League or certainly top five, the Baltimore Ravens. I, this, for me, this is the blood sport. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm all jacked up over that. Uh, do you have, I'm trying to figure out what other games, do you have Rams Seahawks in there as a five-star game? I do not have okay. that. I do have the Giants at Philadelphia as well. Philadelphia fighting for that number one seed, of course. Philadelphia has wobbled a little bit here at the end as well. So, yeah, you know what? I'd love to see this as well. I think that's going to be an awesome game. And that's that's it, actually. No, Detroit, Green Bay. That's what I have. Um, it's interesting in that uh, in that that Eagles game because the latest on Jalen Hurts is that he is trending in the right direction, which sounds like something Cliff Kingsbury would say. If Jalen Hurts doesn't play and they like lose that game, they absolutely could be playing in the first round of the playoffs. So it would benefit them to win that game. For me, I would imagine if in fact if there's any way they can get them out there, they're going to get them out there for that game. I expect Jalen Hurts to play. The uh, the Giants are reportedly going to sit a lot of their starters. I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but does that even matter? Like, it just feels like they just they grind out wins regardless of who they run out there. No, I totally agree with that. But I think it's going to be a better game than that. If that's just me. I could be dead wrong on that. But Detroit at Green Bay as well. That's, yeah, that's another five-star game. Here's, uh, here's Dan Campbell from yesterday. You say what it is. You say the reality of it. And you say what uh, the reason why you're... Uh, that's where they want you at, and and then you say, "Hey, man, we got nothing to lose here." You know, it's we go in and uh, we got nothing to lose. We cut it loose and and let's have the time of our life and uh, let's find a way to win this game. And um, the bottom line is, I can just gauge the room and you can feel it. So, basically, if Seattle beats the Rams earlier in the day, these playoff scenarios are pretty convoluted this year. But if Seattle beats the Rams, that doesn't mean they're in. It just means Detroit's out. And that's sort of what Dan Campbell's talking about right there because they're the Sunday night game. They might go into that game knowing that they're out. And that's where it gets weird for Seattle because then if Green Bay wins, Seattle's out too. So like if Seattle wins their game, they take the incentive away from the team that's playing the team they need to lose. <laughs> that's how it got really weird. But uh, but that's, that's where they are. And, and look, I don't think anybody expects Dan Campbell to tell his team, like, oh, we're not going to try tonight because we don't have a, a shot at the playoffs if it actually comes to that. Um, here's more on that game from Marcus Spears when it asked if the Packers are going to beat the Lions on Sunday night. I think they win. Yeah. Uh, because of, one, where this game is. The momentum that they're taking in the game and they're playing defense. Now, make no mistake about it. The Detroit Lions are doing what teams have, are not doing what teams have done against Green Bay, and that's turn the football over. 
They're a physical football team up front. I just think there's some there's some room uh, with with this home this home limbo thing, right? And a lot of people talk about the record with Aaron Rodgers, and you know we make jokes about it. It's a real thing. I played up in Lambo when it's cold, when that crowd is in the game, when Aaron is playing at a high level. But more importantly, we will find out about Detroit's maturity. Yeah. This team has won some games this year. They've had a lot of success, had some bad runs. They were able to bounce back from that. This will be the biggest challenge. Yeah, this is going to be a huge challenge, no doubt. But the Green Bay Packers, I think they're going to win this game. They're going to get into the postseason, and nobody is going to want to play the Green Bay Packers. Four and eight. Nobody. They were four and eight when the Cardinals were four and eight. And no matter what happens in the Seahawks game, if Green Bay beats Detroit, they're in. I mean, that is bad. Oh, by the way, that's at Lambeau. Whoops. Lambeau in January. All the legend of Lambeau and the blood sport unfolding all at once right now. They're running the ball so much better. They look like the Green Bay Packers. Man, they came out and it was almost like they were trying to find a way to replace Devontae Adams. Find a way early in the season to replace all Valdez Scantling, right? Find a way to replace all of that. Goodness that they lost at the wide receiver position and they got away from who they were. Now they're back to actually being a lot more balanced. And you got Aaron Rodgers. You put him in a balanced offense, it's lights out. They're playing better defense as well. Coming into this season, man, I thought the Green Bay Packers were going to be really, really good defensively. That was not the case, especially in the first half of the season. They've gotten way better. They're running the ball. And, oh, by the way, it's Aaron Rodgers. Nobody wants the Green Bay Packers into the postseason in the NFC. No, you're right. You're right. Because the more I look at this, like, A.J. Dillon really exemplifies it, okay? The first how many weeks of the season, all the way up through November 17th, he was like a non-factor. They didn't give him the ball. I was like, what are you doing? It was like he wasn't on the team. Oh, my goodness. He has six touchdowns in the last five games, at least one of them in each of them. Think about this right now. You've got Aaron Jones, who's rushed for over 1,000 yards. And you have A.J. Dillon, who has 737 yards. And it feels like they've all come in the last, like, five weeks. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You got two backs that, I mean, if theoretically, if A.J. Dillon went off in a way that we've never seen him go off, I mean, you could could have 2,000-yard backs? (laughs) All right, so let's just play this out. Pretty incredible. If it were Green Bay and Minnesota in round one, who are you taking? Green Bay. Yeah. Green Bay, man. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> Green Bay no. just hammered Minnesota. That would be a good game, though. Uh, what was it, Jair Alexander that came out and was like, and basically said he was going to shut down Justin Jefferson, and we were all like, all right, dude, we all remember the first game, and then they actually did uh, shut down I, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, you know, can I tell you right now, there are a lot of coaches, head coaches in the National Football League that are in the postseason and will be playing this postseason that are going to be Detroit Lions fans in a big, big way. They want them to lose. 
There's no way. Yeah, because Tampa's in, and they don't deserve to be, and here we go, it's Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. But, like, Green Bay, I think, is actually a dangerous team if they get in because the NFC is just kind of – it's not wide open. Like, I still think Philadelphia and San Francisco are the teams, but Philadelphia's got some questions right now. Obviously, they have an injured quarterback. And San Francisco owns Green Bay in the playoffs, so maybe they're not worried, but I 100%. Minnesota, Tampa, all these other teams should be worried if Green Bay makes the playoffs. Look, it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers in the postseason. No, they don't want Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in the postseason. No way. All right, we come back. What do you want to see from the Suns at home tonight, finally at home, against the Miami Heat? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.